sun, looking out for number one, California, here we come, right back where we started from, hustle, scrap your guns, your shadow is a ton, Hello and welcome to the OCD, bitch, the show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated primetime soap opera of the early aughts, the OC. It does not get enough love. People scoff when they find out we're still into it, and we're here to change that. We're into it. My name is Mike. With me, as always, is Ryan. I mean, you are presupposing. Mm -hmm. You are assuming a lot of things. Mm -hmm. The show's been on for a couple months now. Right. I'm 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 thinking that we already have changed it and now it's just about changing it a little bit more. Changing it even more. Each day with every single move we make. Every single download. Tell your friends about the show. Tell them it's okay to get through the first five episodes where we don't mention the OC once. And don't be that fucking asshole who then takes what we say and then tries to change your friend's idea about what the OC is. You say nothing to them except download this and these two guys will speak for me. Garden State that motherfucker. Put headphones on their ears and say, This is about to change your life. And that's just with like, it's not just with friends. Anybody you see, they want headphones to be placed on their head and to listen to a podcast. Are you on a public transportation right now? Stop man spreading and put this on a stranger's ears. The, Give the world a Coke. And by the Coke, I mean an OCD episode. The other thing you do, this is what the cool kids are doing. Put a Bose speaker in your backpack. And if you see someone with headphones already, assume, and this is another bad assumption, that they're not listening to the OCD. Right. Rip the headphones out from their ears and then have the OCD playing on that Bose speaker. And just blast it. Through any hike, any nature getaway, any theme park line, just be blasting the OCD. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a common misconception about quiet places, that they want to be quiet. No, they just don't know how to not be quiet. Get them loud Are you in with a library? Podcasts. Go out, spend your money on 10 Bose speakers. Hide them in the highest shelves around the library. Blast 10 different episodes of the OCD. Do you need 10 different phones? No. You can can d- one phone talk to 10 Bose speakers? Go to MIT. Figure out technology. Figure out how one phone can talk to numerous Bluetooth things at once. MIT has internet classes at this point. Internet classes you can typically do in an hour or two. Uh Get those done. Do what I do with every safety training I have to do at my real job. Turn that volume down and do whatever the fuck you want. Also, if you're around like a group of people that you think actually do prefer music more than podcasts, which I mean, what is that? Old people, maybe, Uh but they fight more more too. Sure. Um, well, we have two mu- uh, two episodes that are full of music. So full. do those. Chock-a-block full. Three episodes, in fact. Three now. episodes? Three whole episodes. Because we had to make the one, too. We had a lot to say about music. Oh, my God. Mike, three episodes. Three episodes. I think you can tell by listening to those episodes that uh, the part one and then the Mega Mike remix uh-huh. were really quality shows. But the second one was done much later at night and <laughs> not good. Well, yeah. That's not, a, that's not a hard recommend from us. Producer Dave played a hilarious prank of leaving for the day at normal office hours when they closed. But before he left, spiking our drinks? Yeah. He sp- spiked our drinks and left a few handles of vodka on the corner and locked the door. We had no choice but to do a show. He spiked our drinks with Rufio brand hook cereal. Yeah. And they're all shaped like little Rufios. And we got crazy because that... Sugar high. That's not, a, that's not a healthy cereal, dude. Rufio. That is a sugar cereal. It's fun. Uh, it's mostly marshmallows, and then sprinkled in it is little chocolate chip cookie bits. That's what the kids want. Oops, all roofies. Oops, all ro- no. <laughs> Ryan, you know we're we're getting back. We had a musical break last week. We're getting back to talk about the OC. Finally. Do you want to know what's going on tonight? Um, that was rhetorical, wasn't? Wasn't. Wasn't. <laughs> tonight on the OC. Ryan tries to be just friends with Teresa and Marissa while the rest of the world scoffs at the very notion. Meanwhile, Julie and Luke continue to secretly rail behind everybody's back, and Seth goes to Anna for advice when Summer ignores him in public. All this on more. 
<laughs> Isn't it? And tonight. Uh, Ryan, let's jump into the most salacious of this evening's events. Because it's kind of a mellow episode for the OC. Do you want to like just give a couple of hints first? Drop some crumbs? just For just everybody? A, just a couple of salacious crumbs? Salacious crumbs? <laughs> Thank you. I liked it, Jabba. Let's start with Juku and Lulu. Uh-huh. Is that his nickname? Now, this is... This is a great storyline because it just lets you know in kind of a quiet episode of the OC, in like we're in sort of a down period because we're post Oliver still. Mm-hmm. The OC is not going to give up, man. You're still going to get Marissa Cooper's ex boyfriend and mom banging it out in the sleaziest yes. hotel room on the north side. This is, and we, these are, Luke has been fully redeemed at this point. He was one of the crew. He's become, he's not the sleaze bag from the first few episodes. He's our big. Dumb golden retriever friend. The golden retriever has come out of the doghouse. And Juku has swung back and forth, but we see that we see sort of why she makes decisions she does. The world shat on her her whole life, so now she's out to get the world because she doesn't get it can be good. And far from the supervillain, the telenovela villain Uh that um, she becomes in season two. And that's crazy because she's had some peaks in this one, trying to not indoctrinate, throw, what what is it? forcibly incarcerate for mental health there's a word for that right yeah i mean she tried to get both marissa and ryan put in separate types of jails yeah so that's not a good person but she it seemingly right now has backed back and bounced back are you all right dude take a deep breath i'm I'm gonna say what i said uh back then when we were doing those episodes we could sort of at least argue if not talk about gently um that she reminded us of cersei right you know like bad moves but love her kids Mm mm-hmm this is something you do to a daughter that you hate. Fuck her ex? Fuck her ex. Yeah, I think... Fuck it, her high school going ex. It takes a bad person to fuck a high schooler. I was going to say, unless you're in high school. Nope. Only bad high schoolers fuck other high schoolers. And Abstinence. We, we should point out that Julie... It's very important for Julie to point out that she makes sure the whole audience knows that yeah. she is having sex with an 18-year-old. Luke, you are 18. This is crazy because you're only 18 and not a day younger. She says it a few times. But I do like that better than Dawson's or Riverdale. Other... Soap poppers that have had this plot do not talk about it. And then when everybody breezes by, it's like, shouldn't this kid be in therapy? Because an adult took advantage of him. So at least there's the 18. It's still warped, but it's not illegal. And it, yeah, guess. it's it's obvious like what they're doing uh-huh. for the audience. But it's also good writing because they want the audience's focus to be on the fact that she's a bad mom. Right. And not a child molester. Not and that one, jail. Yeah, that one overweighs the other. Uh-huh. And we wouldn't be able to focus on the fact that she's terrible for this other reason. Yeah, there's so much silly gala drama that we would not focus on if we're like, put her in jail right now. What the fuck? Only put fun crimes on this show. Sure. Right? Now, we like to uh, show some leg. This is our show that we talk about our real lives and growing up in Orange County. Did you uh, ever fuck an ex-girlfriend's mom? <laughs> you know, I didn't. No? I did not. And it's not just that... It's not like I didn't, but it was hard because of all of my options. Holy moly, was this way, 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 like, not an option. This never would have happened. First of all, um, only dated girls with ugly moms. And second of all, I didn't look like Luke no? at any point in my <laughs> high school career. Maybe someday you will. And maybe you could argue that Luke is, like, 24. Uh-huh. Chris Carmack is 24. I uh, didn't look like that when I was 24 either. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a big part of it. I also, I don't see, you have to be both so morally bankrupt and so suave in both parties to have this be able to be where you end up. I don't think those, I think those usually come hand in hand, don't they? 
probably. Oh, that's why I'm not suave. I have morals. Oh, man. But what? Nothing. Just <laughs> You're totally right about all that. Luke is not suave. And in this, really, that he is suave in the realm of high school, but he's dealing with adults here because when he sees Jimmy, he melts down. Yes, he does. Uh, he runs into Julie Cooper, still calls her Mrs. Cooper, which is uh, endearing and gross. Uh, and he starts like making like he's going to kiss her or do something. And she's like, Luke, there are students all around us. We are at your school. Oh, so it's over then? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just not here in Poland. Just meet me at that hotel tonight, baby. I'll get the sleaziest hotel in Newport. Um, and then Jimmy comes up, and Luke puts his foot in his, his mouth. And it's classic. It's like, uh, goodbye, Mrs. Cooper. And uh, goodbye to you as well, Mr. Mr. Cooper. Cooper. I would never not say over. goodbye to you. <laughs> good day. Good morrow. The thing is, is that um, the vast majority of dudes cannot satisfy women. Oh, right? for sure. That's just sort of how it works. And I think that like stops affairs a lot from happening. I think girls will think... Um, I want to cheat. I'm a, I'm a horny little devil. But what? How? Like who? Like what am I gonna do? Right. Like the odds are so low. But Julie picks Luke, and it has to do completely with beefcakiness, right? Like a hundred percent. I I think there's there a beefcakiness is a huge. She's seen that kid's abs because he grew up at her house, so she's seen his abs a lot. She's given him his grub before he goes onto the boat. Uh. I think it's also power, right? Because any, any oh, Marissa's ex boyfriend has a little something to do with it. I, I think so. It, it, it's it is that he's a child. He's an eighteen year old child. It is that it's Marissa's ex boyfriend. I, I think anytime cheating, I think there's a bunch of factors, and I think for this, it is power over somebody because it's Cal did Jimmy fucked her financially and ruined her life. Cal was shitty with her emotions. So here's somebody who cannot hurt me. I am in control. And fuck my shitty little daughter. She's been a twat the last year. I'm going to do this to hurt her. And it's it's so dirty. And Julie is not cheating. We should make that no. clear. Um, but you often, in a breakup, I think, go for the opposite of whoever dumped uh-huh. you. And I would say that Luke is arguably the opposite of Cal. Although oh, yeah. Cal is also the opposite of Jimmy. So everybody's opposite for different reasons. But so I get it. Luke's got the abs. And Luke's right. got all the fucked up things that come with fucking Luke. Yes. But, and we know that he is a fuckboy, right? Yes. But still, what are the odds that he can satisfy a mid-30s woman? I think he doesn't know what he's doing, but she has not been jackhammered since before Jimmy. Jimmy's not a jackhammer. Uh-huh. He is not Hercules, no matter what he's played. Jimmy's got a Jimmy. Jimmy's got a Jimmy. Jimmy's do not have to jackhammer. No. They don't know how to do that. I bet Jimmy knows some good subtle tricks if he's lucky. Uh-huh. Uh, and Cal is old school. He just falls asleep right away. Jimmy's the kind of lover that... Uh, if I leave ESPN Classic loud enough in the living room, can I still listen to that and have sex uh-huh. at the same time? And But I think what, so maybe just normal sex will not make her get to where she needs to go. But I think being straight railed is fun in its own. And then you can teach him things. And so he's going to learn to do exactly what Julie likes. But here's the thing. If that, ha- that goes back to the power thing. I have power over you sexually because mm-hmm. I, I know so much more and I can help you be better. But then also... Man, like, I just have an hour, you know, of my stressful life, and I want to relax, and I don't know if I want to spend any of that hour teaching things. Right. But you're not Julie. I think there's, I think this is a whole story. And they go to a hotel, so it's not just an hour. It's an evening. They're not paying by the candle yet. (laughs) Is that too medieval? Yeah, that's too medieval. Uh, but and then later, so that this is going through the whole background of the episode. So he goes, they do meet up, and then he goes a direct 
Luke line is, I got a motor. Don't want to be late for homeroom. And Julie goes, right, you have homeroom because you're in high school. Julie's self-deprecating. And have we talked about how Julie is secretly funny often? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's easy to forget because you just see like those wicked eyes and like the dun-dun-dun when she does things. She's one of the funnier characters on the show. Yeah, I think that she does have a lot in common with Sandy. Uh-huh. Sandy's just less embarrassed about his background right. and louder. You know, Sandy's just got that voice. And likes the spotlight, but they're both outsiders coming in and are able to notice the fucking vast ridiculousness of their new home. And Luke is the only person she will be self-deprecating in front of because he's so dumb he won't get that she's making... She fully is making fun of herself. But look at her just tone of voice in the hotel room Mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, around Cal and Kirsten when she was remodeling that home. Like, so fake and bubbly. Uh And then here, this is like, you know, the 50-year-old seen it all sort right. of tone the dry wit yeah and then we get to see a very human moment because caitlin calls having forgot a diorama and can i get in the house and her whole real life comes rushing back and uh i forget this actress's name but th- that like two minute chunk of her going through all of the things that she just did to fuck over her youngest daughter right was phenomenal it was not about a diorama caitlin called and said mom i i used to look like shylene woodley but i'm <laughs> turning into thea queen and i don't know what's going on and she goes, diorama, and hangs up. Cha-cha-cha. Cha-cha-cha. Uh, and then their saga all ends that because Cal shows up. They have not talked in a month. Who knows how long? And she teaches him the word booty call. Yes. Cal thinks everything is a business arrangement. I think uh-huh. he says at one point, we can make certain arrangements. Mm-hmm. And basically, what he's, I think what he's saying is more than a booty call. I'll buy you stuff. Yeah, because I was trying to think of this because he says, you'll get what you want. I get what I want. But we know for fact Caleb cannot make anybody come. So it's he gets to come and fall asleep. And he thinks, I think Cal is old and gross and thinks women cannot come. But she will at least get money. Oh, my God. The the female orgasm is a myth. That, he, doesn't that seem like a thing he Absolutely. would? Absolutely. Him and Uncle Sean get drunk and just talk about how that is a myth. And so are morals and doing anything right by anybody. And also making sure that only blood relatives have that term uncle. That's a bunch of bullshit. That's lying to your family. Uncle He's Sean, get out of here. Uncle. I like Shunkle. Shunkle. Half uncle, half Sean. And all cop. Shunkle lets you know he's a dirtbag. <laughs> uncle Sean might be a stand-up guy, but Shunkle? And that's all that happens at the Mermaid Hotel. That's all that happens, and there's no way to segue. We shan't return to the Mermaid Hotel. Shan't we? Shan't we not. Let's oh, take a break. I don't know what shan't we not means. I don't know. We're going weirdly medieval this episode. Ryan, this is a very special episode of the OC because we get to meet an extended family member of the Nichols clan, Uncle Sean. Uncle Sean is here. Uncle Sean is Caleb's, is a consultant. When we hear about Uncle Sean, it's from Kiki. And it's, he got, he, you know how Uncle Sean gets drunk. He got a little drunk, got in some legal trouble. Pour another one, Uncle Sean. If you're named Uncle Sean, you're definitely going to pour another one. You are Irish fuck. Because there's never been, nobody named Sean has ever had an Easter nephew, so Uncle Sean's are always just dad's weird friend. And no other uh, like type of culture or race has had an uncle except for the Irish. So man, they're really piling it on there. Did you have a weird uncle? Like, like n- a non-uncle? Yes. Who was, your, who was your non-uncle? Uncle Don. Uncle Don? <laughs> yep, that's the one that I had as a kid. So you had the legit Uncle Don is mommy's beef. <laughs> <laughs> like... Boyfriend. They were in a fight? Mommy's boyfriend. No, no, no. My um, my 
uncle, my actual uncle, had a best friend mm-hmm. named Don that we all called uncle. Okay. And then years later, after uh, all my mom's husbands died and uh, all my real uncles died, the then they got together. Gotcha. So it wasn't, there. there's no, so you were an adult, so it wasn't a lie then. No, yeah. That's the weirdest lie to tell a kid. This is mommy's friend, uncle so-and-so. What are you teaching your child right now? I know why incest porn is all over the place, because kids from the 80s and 90s were just taught, like, I guess you fuck uncles. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I had an Uncle Scotty, who was like a dad's college friend who's just around. I don't know why you just can't tell your kid, like, you can call some adults by their name. Uh, typically, I think it means because they're a loser. And the uncle term is not for the kids, it's for the person. Like, look like at they how, need something. Yeah, you're part of the family now. Uh-huh, because you don't want to be weird... Uncle Joey doesn't want to be weird Joey who lives in the garage. Jailbird Joey? Jailbird Joey. Uh-huh. That's Marty McFly's weird uncle. That's Marty McFly's weird uncle. But that is blood related. Yeah. Or maybe it's not. It's just a kid they found. Uh, I'm so glad to one day be uncle to your children. Sure, but do you see my point? Oh, fuck. The loop into the family. And, oh, fuck, yeah. It's so sad. But Uncle Sean, uh, Sandy gets convinced he, he tells kiki fuck that i will never represent him i'll never represent or help your dad well just to clear up what consultant means yes. which is a word that we don't actually know what it means in real life mm-hmm. but in the oc um caleb has a friend who has a drinking problem and this person will get drunk and stumble into um like rival companies of caleb uh-huh. and accidentally drunkenly steal a lot of documents right and sandy puts this together it takes him probably longer than it should well so that because that, He's known about or met Sean. I can assume Sean was the life of the party until he got annoying at Kiki and Sandy's wedding. Sure. Like, that's the way they talk about him. Like, that's Sean. Sean is, uh, Uncle Sean is the kind of guy who said, you know what? I'll give a toast. Right. And people went, it's the vows. <laughs> please, please sit down right now. But the way uh, Sandy talks about Cal, it's loathing. The, well he, the way he talks about Uncle Sean is that lovable fuck up. Right. And... Kiki steps up to her dad, which she doesn't do very often, because he's like trying to weasel her to get Sandy to help. Right. And she goes, "If after all these years, it would mean a lot to him if you just asked him. And then that's what happens. Cal sort of mans up. And Sandy, who is this uh, beacon, this pillar of wisdom on the OCD, and we look up to him in every way, sees Cal come in to ask him for a favor, and does not let it go unnoticed. Oh, no. Really hits him hard with uh, all the power that Sandy now has. And because not only does he ask him for a favor, he makes fun of Sandy's mother's meatloaf. But this is also the first, I think... Not a euphemism, by the way. It's it's actual meatloaf. All the lighthouse serves are Jimmy and Sandy's mom's meatloafs. Not euphemistic. What I do like is this is a seed planted for the Nana, who we'll meet in a few episodes. Because Cal, who is a tyrant and a monster, he goes, she's not here, is she? And like backs up, ready to sprint out the open door. And that's the correct response. Like Cal doesn't get scared of that many people, Uh but the Nana will scare you. Sandy was from the Bronx. The Nana still lives in the middle of the Bronx. Yes. She's hardcore. Um, the, I think the most interesting part about the Uncle Sean storyline is Sandy puts it together mm-hmm. and about exactly what Uncle Sean does. He's a fixer. He's a fixer. He's a, he's a Ray Donovan. And then, if, uh, and then goes up to Kirsten, and she, the actress and the character, does a really great job of not revealing how much she already knows about Uncle uh-huh. Sean and how much she's pretending like she doesn't know. Right. Not just to Sandy, but to herself. Right. Because it's easy to ignore if nobody screams, this is what he does. But she's also now the vice president of the company and has never asked her dad, what does your drunk old buddy do for us? She goes, I don't know. I just pay him. I don't really... You know, he talks to the construction workers. And this all leads... like uh, Kirsten's sort of understanding, but not really. 
leads Uncle Sean and Cal directly to the strategy of, well, if you don't help them, Kirsten's the VP of a very, very corrupt company, and she's going straight to jail. Yeah, what dirtbags is that when Sandy confronts Sean about it, Sean laughs and goes, that's an interesting theory. Don't, uh, don't explore that too much. He does not know the kind of man Atticus Sandy Finch is. And then Sandy goes to Cal, and Cal not, isn't like, oh shit, my bad. You're right, I should reconsider what he does. He goes, be ashamed if something happened to <laughs> oh, yeah. my daughter, wouldn't um, it? Immediately pulls out the be ashamed What speech. a good dude who's now our president. What a good fucking dude who just wants to sell out family the minute he has to own up to anything. There's a weird thing going on in the, uh, the heat scene. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro sit at a table. In this case, it's Sandy and Uncle Sean. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's rare when you notice the direction of the OC because it is a little cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of like maybe an occasional long take or a, a specific monta- montage um, or the use of we got more bounce in California than all y'all combined. But in this point, there's a very weird decision of getting as close as possible <laughs> to Uncle Sean and Sandy. And they're not... I know that Peter Gallagher is allegedly handsome. Uh-huh. Uh, Uncle Sean looks like Don Zimmer got stung by a bee, and we are moving right in on him. Right. And then Sandy, we're close in on, like, as close as you possibly can, and that machete-needed eyebrow jungle. <laughs> just craggalicious. Both their faces are so weathered. Just the cliffs of fucking Dover we're staring at. It's oops all eyebrows. Oops all eyebrows. Uh, and then, how does it, how does it end? What, where do we leave off with the Uncle Sean saga? I think that the way to just get Uncle Sean in as a one-and-done character is Sandy to do this, to help, but be like, but I don't want to do this again. He can't, like, Kirsten's so tied to the company that even if she puts her foot down and says, I quit right now, mm-hmm. Caleb has them both over a barrel. And she did that before. She fucked him before. I wonder, they never deal with it this, so this is reading too much into it, but I know real families, so a few episodes at Christmas... She fucked him over and made him buy the wetlands for a dollar. Right. Because she found out about his underhanded dealings. Cal's the kind of guy who's going to sit on that and be like, I could, I could fuck you back over. Did you believe, Kirsten, when after um, like Sandy got his serpent tattoo, uh, Kirsten walked up to Caleb and said, you don't have a daughter anymore, and then walked away? Do you believe all that? No. You don't? I don't believe all that. Okay. He's going to come back in. And it's crazy. Kirsten is 40 sure. in her 40s. She has to have gone through a Haley phase of fuck this, and she has come back. I think she's willing to accept her dad's a piece of shit, but not how villainous he actually is. And the only way he can do that, because I think she's a competent, brilliant woman, the only way you can do that is by purposefully blinding yourself to what's actually going on. There's also that thing, too, that like people said a couple years ago, like the, the few couple of like sane cabinet members uh-huh. would say it's better if i'm in right. there on the inside making sure that it doesn't get too crazy mm-hmm. she might be doing that as well like if you think that the newport group is fucked up now what if i wasn't, wasn't there here and family's family and other justifications and as sandy pointed out when he was a public defender she's his shield like aren't we doing good as a family but i do think she's the best noopsie but she is Newport's princess. Mm-hmm. She grew up in Newport. She does like the money. And this this is a hard realization for me right now to say about Kirsten. I think Kirsten's awesome. but And maybe the writers just didn't think about this and it's a soap opera. But to have everything lay out the way it does, she has to be purposefully blinded to what her dad does. Either she's that, fucked up. Either that or a moron. And or I she's think an idiot. You've covered the fact that she is not. She's not an idiot, sir. She's got blood on her hands. And so Cal and Sean are kind of right. And that pisses Sandy off. 
really, I think this would be a marriage ruining event. I think so too, but I mean, just imagine if you were married to Kirsten, though. I mean, could anything ruin that marriage? Uh, alcohol might, eventually. <laughs> Maybe. I think we're going to take a break and get back to the fun stuff. Sure. Ryan, let's move on to the kids, where things are light and fun and nothing ever goes wrong. What we thought the show was going to be about, uh-huh. the high school kids. The high schoolery of it all. But really what we found out is that this show is actually about the adults and then the cartoon cat and cartoon mouse that live in the corner of the mm-hmm. house. They're so wacky. Aren't they? Just a tad wacky. A wacky fucking plot is Seth and Summer are now railing all the time. Er day. And, but she will not acknowledge his presence in public. She goes out of her way to basically say, stop talking to me and pivots. Pivots. God, stop saying pivot, <clears throat> dude. Uh, Anna is back in town. She was gone for who knows how long. And not like a triumphant return. She's no. like, oh, Anna, hey. A long weekend, perhaps? Is this only three days since Oliver? Well, who knows? Philly time is different, you know? Mm-hmm. You go there for two years, you come back. It's been 25 years. There's a whole uh, interstellar thing going on with Philly. I don't what, know. Tiernan Oak? What it, was that weird? Barcelona? What's that weird town that shows up every hundred years? Triplets of Belleville, do you want me to keep doing this? <laughs> Always. I'm just dancing around it. Uh, and Anna, eventually both of them apologize to Anna and try to explain. I Both come off heartfelt. I didn't feel shittiness from Seth or Summer. That's true. But the weird thing is, too, in our screening, when we watched this episode uh, in our screening room, all four of us ended the episode apologizing to Anna. Like, uh-huh. Seth, Summer, me, and you all stood up and did different apologies to Anna. The world should apologize to Anna. You think so? Yeah. She was underserved. For the the buildup of the first handful of episodes, they did not know what to do with this character and gutted her. And that's why next week we're going to talk about Anna leaving. Oh, is she gone? I hope there's a big airport thing. What did you think of this episode being a backdoor pilot of Uncle Sean and Anna going on adventures like hunting for treasure? She's trying to solve crimes. He's trying to cause crimes. <laughs> but they're partners. And they don't realize what the other one's doing. It's just because they're so bad at communicating. And they take the cartoon mouse but leave the cartoon cat. And that's the saddest thing at all. You don't want to split up the tunes. That cartoon cat's going to kill itself. And the mouse will learn to be fine. It's stronger than it thinks it is. Yeah. But it's really sad. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Seth does apologize to Anna. But then instantly goes back to how their relationship started. was asking for advice about Summer because he is not okay with how Summer treats him in public. And I don't know if it's Anna pointed it out or I think it was cooking in the back of his head and then when Anna saw it, she was like, still? You guys have fucked. I can smell it on you. But still she treats you like this? Grow a backbone. And what Summer is doing is very obvious, right? Especially especially to Anna. Uh-huh. It's obvious to Seth, but he doesn't want to admit it. He doesn't want to say it out loud. He wants to say... I don't know what's going on. Right. And then hopefully Anna says, oh, this is how relationships work. It's proof that she loves you, blah, blah, blah. But Anna says the obvious. You're a dweeb, dweeb. Right. And she's embarrassed of you, dweeb. And so Anna gets pissed off at Summer. Right. And and, and that's what eventually... So while that's going on, also there's apparently for water polo, there's a fundraiser and a kissing booth, a thing that only exists in TV. Not even movies. Not even movies, just TV? Yeah, I don't think movies. And certainly not in real life. And certainly not in 2004. Because the dude says it like it's a compliment. He's like, well, when I thought of a girl who'd have to kiss a lot of guys for money, 
I thought about you. And now we're back to episode one, Summer. Uh-huh. Where she says, oh my God, thank you. Because she is a one-dimensional slutty character. But what's interesting about that is there was a beat of like darting eyes. She didn't say, oh my God, thank you right away. There was a beat and then she slipped into a different version than we've seen since episode one or two. And you could watch this girl's heartbreak a second to have to put that mask back on. It was a weird moment. And made me so sad for her and furious at her for not fucking slapping that dude in the face. Slapping which dude in the face, Mike? Can we go to Comics Connection real quick? Play the drop. You got comics, I got connection. Comics Connection. Now, this kid, uh, I'm going to say that his name was Brad. It was Brad. Her partner at the kissing booth. Do you know who this is? He was also her partner in Heart of Dixie. Also her partner in Heart of Dixie. Which is based on a graphic novel. And his name is Will Bethel. Will Bethel? And Mike, Comics Connection, Will Bethel is in Daredevil Season 3 as Bullseye. Is that true? Kissing Booth Brad? He's is Bullseye. Bullseye. Do you know what's crazy about that, Ryan? My Comics Connection is also Daredevil related. Because through all of this, Summer and Seth, when he's trying to talk to her about it, she goes... When has when has the public eye ever helped a relationship? And they keep they never say J Lo and Ben Affleck. They just keep talking about him. And at a certain point, Seth goes, "I guess I could be paid millions of dollars to be a blind superhero in a red unitard." That's my Devo- Daredevil comics connection. Daredevil all up in here, all up in their grills. And the craziest part, I think, I guess the third comics connection is that Anna gets so pissed at Seth and Summer that she drags them into a hallway, blindfolds herself, and kicks the living shit kicks out the of them. Shit out of them, and. Or there's a lot of them, the lockers, because she is blindfolded? Sure. Yes. But she thinks it's them, and that's cathartic. She thinks that when she punches Cold Steel, it's Seth and or Summer, and that's a Philly thing as well. Yeah. Nobody, everybody in Philly is very Rocky-like. You sure. can't feel things with your knucks, uh, and so it just feels like... When you say Rocky-like, do you mean like the thing or like Sylvester Stallone? Sylvester Stallone. Also, Anna's from goddamn Pittsburgh, not Philly. Oh, sorry. You racist. That Wait. Philadelphia, comma, Pittsburgh. Yes. She's from the That's state fine. of Pittsburgh, city of Philly. You would do so well on any geographical test. Thank you. <sighs> Seth eventually nuts up, mostly because Anna tells him to, or may- helps him realize. this. Uh, we shit on Seth a lot. I do think Seth comes out pretty good in this episode. He's less shitty than normal. He's a weak man, but he's, he's some sort of Ross Geller, but he is not out of his way manipulative and shitty in this episode and he pulls a lloyd dobler Mm -hmm. and we need to put this on the scale because 1984 lloyd dobler is doing only wonderful things now super creepy and now you're arrested where is this on the scale i think this is fully on the dobler scale on the dobler (laughs) scale is he a dobler ganger he i think and that's good or bad dobler ganger or dobler banger He's a doppelganger because so they go. He go. He gives her a list of strata. He goes until you are kind to me. No more sex. No sex for you. And she goes, "You'll break." And they have a very like fun tete a tete. But then she comes over. She's like, "Yeah, I'm done with your dumb bullshit. I want that D right now, Seth Cohen." And he goes, "No, be gone. I fucking meant it." Uh, and she tells him he's insensitive. That's some gaslighty horse shit. So I just want to pay. So now we're at the Lloyd Dobler's. He's like, I got to make a big gesture. Uh, she's at the kissing booth, and he jumps on the table, and everybody's like, with boom, no boombox. That should be said. There's no. He's not holding a boombox no. above his head. So not full Dobbs. So I guess a a, a point or two below Dobbs. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
and goes, wait, wait, it's acknowledge me now or lose me forever, is what he says to her. And she, she has a beat, and Brad, Bullseye himself, goes, are you dating this emo geek? And he goes, yes, Brad, she is dating this emo geek. Uh, and then she gets up in the kiss. And then all the girls, fight. the minute Seth starts talking, all the girls are not saying, who's this emo geek? The girls are like, oh, my God, what a non-douchebag. Yeah. And all the dudes are like, you're too small. The other problem, too, is that the geek, like, and this is the geek of the school, mm-hmm. right? This is the number one most picked on, is mm-hmm. Adam Brody. And looks like Adam Brody and acts like Adam Brody. Right. If the number one geek of our high school, us, I guess, us. Uh, would not have been able to get on that table, like, would have looked very bad. Slipped it would on the have way been up, embarrassing. Yeah. Like, I get where Summer's coming from, except that, no, she's being rude. And here's the biggest question about the storyline. Her response to Anna when Anna confronts her. Right. And that's what it complicates things a lot is uh, she says, I don't know why he likes me. He's way smarter and we have nothing in common. And I'm afraid he's going to get bored with me. Summer's the geek. In a twist of fate, now Summer's the one that's worried. Do you buy it? I do because she, one, for some reason, because they should be best friends, her and Anna, I think she's vul- more vulnerable with Anna than with anybody else. And there's you, there's nothing to lose. Like, why would you not? I guess to not have Anna think you're a piece of shit. There's nothing for Summer to lose, but Anna was playing Ms. Pac-Man and was like on the highest level. That's a lot for Anna to lose. That's a lot. I would be like, be gone. And the second Anna or Summer comes up, we hear the, <laughs> like, Anna died right there. That's why Anna was pissed. You killed me in my heart. Now you killed me in my Ms. Pac-Man. Uh, so yes. And when Anna said, this is the most ridiculous part, when Anna said, you kill me in my heart, Summer just says, up Dixie. Like, settle down, dude. Foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, and then, so, Anna talks to Summer and feels bad for her. And then Anna, some Anna wisdom, we have no Sandy wisdom in this episode. Some Anna wisdom is talking to Seth that makes him Lloyd Dobler out. She says, once you have what you want, that's when you have something to lose. She's trying to, without saying, here's what Summer fucking told me. She's trying to let him know. Be big. Make a gesture. Don't fucking rest on your laurels. I don't love how Summer and Seth and Anna run to each other immediately anytime they have a conversation. Uh-huh. But this is one of the better ones where Anna takes the takes the tea and turns it into actual advice as right. opposed to, oh my God, did you hear what I just heard? Right. Yeah, it's that is useful. She's such a good person. That's why they boot her off this show. Yeah. You're only going to solve problems and we need more people who cause them. Also, the OC knows at this point that like we need more people for orange couture we have to stop using anna so right we need because her today's orange couture is pink stripe long sleeve shirt underneath a silvery shirt thing wow on anna it is bananas just i wear a lot of dumb patterns but i've got nothing on anna from pittsburgh it is crazy the stuff she comes up with and then that's they're together now she jumped up with them there was uh, another line i think that summer said um or no, I think no. This is Anna to Summer. Uh-huh. Anna, who you're saying is full of wisdom and just the greatest dialogue and the best person of all time, looks right into Summer's eyes and or Seth's eyes and says, "Wonder Woman is supposed to have an invisible jet, not an invisible boyfriend." And Mike, I never said best dialogue. We do a lot of defending the OC, and when they're great, they're great, and when they're bad, they're great. Like the OC has a firm grasp on exactly what it's doing. This mm-hmm. is the is this the worst moment in the OC history thus far? It's lazy as shit. It's so dumb. Is it Anna trying to speak Seth's language? But it's also her language. They forget where Anna comes from. No, no, the whole thing. Like, yeah, she said Wonder Woman. Cool reference. I understand what you're talking about. Thanks for speaking my language. But the whole setup. It's a bad uh, analogy. The Hallmark card e right. of the one of this 
But actually, this like, are you fucking kidding me? But right also, now? what? So what does summer summer have that's invisible? That's what the fuck does any of that mean? That's if you start to pick it apart, it's dumb as shit. It's one of those things where like, and this happens to me all the time. Uh, you just think of a line twelve hours before it's time to say it, uh-huh. and it you marinate it long Too enough for like you just oh, a little overdone. This is gonna kill. And what we should have seen, this whole thing could have been saved, is if after Anna said that. It, the camera stayed on her, and she was like, what the fuck did I just say? I'm so sorry. And that would have been funnier. Watch somebody be like, oh, no, I wish I could take that back. You know what? Everybody should break up with everybody. Or even though she's not on the arcade game anymore, we still hear the Ms. Pac-Man <laughs> dying <laughs> sound. Oh, man. If anytime somebody fucked up on the OC, that would become Jimmy's theme song. Just... <laughs> but that, that I mean, that that's their saga. These crazy kids are going to make it. Did you ever have anything like this? Did you have a pseudo significant other refused to acknowledge you in public no come on now i always delayed it dated so below my belt because i was nervous and insecure and like a shitty person that no this never happened to me cool 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 but no like why well, you gotta move on i was so easily intimidated mm-hmm. that i don't think like again we talk so much shit on seth but i i, I never would have had the courage to even put myself in a position to um date somebody like summer much less get on top of a table mm-hmm. like that like i just did not have i was too intimidated high school's hard yeah high school's dumb i just dated the teachers that's the safe way to go yeah. teachers and parents of other friends <laughs> when we come back we're gonna be talking about the love triangle that involves i'm sorry the friend triangle that involves ryan Teresa, and marissa and a lot of my apologies ryan do you find it sexist that every character on the show loudly exclaims that Ryan cannot be friends with girls? Good question. And are we being mean towards Ryan or girls in general? Mm-hmm. Good question. <laughs> now you do one. And is it the, are the characters being sexist or is the show? Do you remember the Cotillion episode? Yes. Ryan and Anna, yes. just to keep banging that one out, um, had a incredible non-sexual chemistry. Right. Proof. proof. Proof right there. The proof is in the pudding. The banana pudding. The banana pudding. The banana pudding. Uh, this is also a show that constantly says Ryan can't be funny, and then he will make jokes. I think he showed up from Chino, leather cuffed, wife beater on, and everybody went, this is who this guy is. And he goes, I'm 16. I'm still learning who I am. And they just refuse to believe he could ever be anything but then the box they decided to put him in right away. And also, yeah, I would say that, I mean, everybody, anybody could be friends with anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a gender thing. I, 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 the first thing I think is that, well, Ryan can't be friends with Marissa or in a relationship with Marissa. Like, they shouldn't be together. Other than that, I have no idea. Right. I think it's very different to say Ryan can't be friends with girls. Almost like they're telling him, you are not allowed to be. Uh, even though they say it mocking, like, you know you can't do this. It's your two exes that some one of them just ended, and the other one only ended six months ago, which is not that long ago. You shouldn't because you're all still get hurt as what is happening. Let me reframe the question then, because Ryan's a thug and a moron and a sexist pig idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he is walking on the beach with Teresa and Balboa bars and let's say they were both married, let's say this is five years in the future. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, let's say they're like, we take out all the sexual potential there. Right. They could definitely be friends. Yeah. I, I they've think got history. They got chemistry. They've got English. They've got math. 
that that they've got all the fuck the, the whole Wood bell shop. schedule. Block periods, motherfucker. Uh, I that that conversation is so endearing, and it is because it's innocent as shit. There's no eyebrows waggling at each other yet. <laughs> you know how kids do. Well, yeah. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna take the time to get to know you, and then like, what are your interests? Or I'm just gonna waggle some eyebrows. Right. Here's what the kids do these days. You get twenty of them. 20 of them all go to a movie nobody wants to watch. And then they all shit on the movie afterwards on the stairs, skateboarding on their heelys back and forth until one of them waggles their eyebrows at another one of them and they just peel off. And then other people shrug. But the person who doesn't know what the code is waggles his eyebrows. And then people are like, oh, is he trying? I, I don't want to waggle. He was like, I just didn't know what the code was. Is this why Sandy Cohen pulls so much asses? Because yeah, he just walks out into a light breeze and yes. his eyebrows waggling and he everywhere? Doesn't, he doesn't know the kid code. So he just goes, I just get led away by men and women. I don't know what's happening, but I'm not going to say no. I'm not rude. I'm Group not going to say no. Dumb. To- <laughs> okay, so. Before we start the Brian, Teresa, Marissa thing, mm-hmm. is it too late to say that? Because we're like five minutes in. Um, I do. I don't like talking about this. I think these are terrible. I hate this part of TV. But there's a previously on. Uh huh. And this might be my previ- my favorite previously on of all time because all previously ons do is just telegraph the rest of the episode. Right. Uh, but in the last episode of the OC, Ryan and Teresa are sitting on steps and they're talking because Teresa has a job, and Ryan's also helping out at that job, and Marissa comes out, and there's like a three-minute conversation, and then Marissa walks away. But previously on, Marissa comes out and sees Ryan, Ter- Ryan and Teresa, and they're like, hey. And she's like, okay, bye, and runs <laughs> yeah. away. They cut all of the conversation. That is not okay. And it totally shows us what Marissa's thinking right now. Right. I guess it's okay to do that, but that sucks. Now, do you buy – what we have here is Marissa is nervous uh-huh. and intimidated by this girl, uh-huh. right? She is – uh, both Teresa is both a smoke show mm-hmm. and has a history with Ryan. Uh, Seth lets you know how woke he is by describing her as more caliente <laughs> because she is Latina. She is. Thanks, Seth. She is. And he, the rest of the episode, this episode is called the telenovela, and Seth just keeps calling it a telenovela. Now, at any in any episode, because of how the OC works. Seth could look around the kitchen mm-hmm. and say, this is a telenovela, but right. he waits until Teresa's in the room. And the parents don't go, fucking stop that right now. They go, what a hilarious observation, our golden boy. Kirsten, and then they start using it. Kirsten pulled out six shooters and went, arriba, arriba. And I couldn't tell if I'm too much of a woke bro or if I'm like, no, O4, fuck you for doing that to us. Can you tell now? I, I think O4, fuck you for doing that to us. Um... What do you think, though, about Marissa becoming this sort of, like, half-assed warrior princess of, like, no, I'm in for the fight, and what the fight means is, yeah, I'll eat dinner. I'll I'll eat dinner. The fight is lie. She's trying to prove to him she can be better and be friends to get with him again. Don't start from a place of dishonesty. Take time apart. Grow. Don't lie and be like, we could just be friends while you're gunning for the relationship the whole time. That See, sucks. I think as adults, we we look at time apart as uh, like let's let's take a year apart or even like three months, mm-hmm. and you're gonna hook up with Teresa, and it probably won't work out. And if it does, that's cool. And if it doesn't, that's cool. But teenagers, this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me, and I will never stop imagining you right. alternating between sixty nineing and getting married. Right, and that's a great wedding. <laughs> that's a killer wedding right there. Throw some fried chicken in, best wedding ever. But I do like. Marissa is not the best performed, best written character, mm-hmm. but I do actually like the, um, I don't know, the accuracy, the authenticity yeah. of unsurely 
insecurely doubling down and sort of having dinner, you know, like right. sort of I'm I'm going to do this, I guess. And everybody's like, I guess. Oh, yeah. And everybody's like tripping over themselves. Like, let's try to deflate this awkwardness, which is impossible. Cohen's possible. And the Cohen's certainly won't be the ones to do it. One of my favorite scenes that I also like. So the Balboa bar scene with Teresa and Ryan, it's very endearing. I also found the Marissa Ryan beginning the episode when they're trying to make it happen. They're talking about hanging out and why is this weird? They're like, we used to hang out all the time. Marissa says, and make out? And Ryan goes, I guess we could fight about Luke. Super fucking funny. And Marissa goes, or Oliver, super fucking funny. But Ryan is not ready to joke about that shit yet. No. Um, I think that we should all stop saying too soon. Uh-huh. And we should just give instead the look that Ryan gives here. <laughs> Let the looks do the just talking. Glower. The other it- problem, too, is that um, Marissa sits down. Marissa's a girl, right? Mm-hmm. And so doesn't know about things, I guess, according to the show. And then sits down and says, oh, what is this, the ninja game? There's no game called the Ninja Game, writers. Have Marissa at least know what the title of a video game is. But then doesn't Teresa, everybody just calls it the Ninja Game. Just the girls, though. So, like, Seth says Shaolin, Rise of the Dragon or something? Yeah, it has the whole colon and everything. (laughs) Written by, but it just starts all the credits. Oh, you mean 1996? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We got it. Uh, so another Teresa and Ryan, so she has been proposed to, that starts filtering out to everybody. And then she gives him Jenny from the block bolt. Like he is not the same. He is no longer Ryan from the block. Cause he's like, you're 17. And she goes, do you fucking forgot what Chino is? I got to plan this out. We don't all get to get fucking adopted by Richie's. Right. Is that, that's still insane to me. Eddie is a good dude. And I, a fan of how they wrote this character. Because he could have been so thuggish. He's friends with Trey. We've seen bad parts of Chino. He has that facial hair. He seems like he would just pound Ryan. But instead, he just is like, hey, man, I've got a lot to think about on the ride home. Yeah, and <clears throat> after meeting Trey and some of his friends, Eddie comes off as like a total gentleman. The one problem is that with the way his face built and uh, with the facial hair, he does look like a hornless devil. Like He right. has the face of the hornless devil. And if you are like me, you know Eddie as Jesse. Xander's best friend from Buffy episode one, who gets turned into a vampire, and so he's evil forever in your head. Wait, aren't the Buffy vampires long-faced? Yeah. So they long-faced a long face? It got weird. Uh, But Chino is not the shithole that they show, but when you come from certain areas, uh, like Teresa does, you start Mm -hmm. having a different checklist as you even turn 17, which is gross and it sucks, but love doesn't matter. Eddie does have a good yeah. job. Like Eddie makes money. And he loves her. And he loves her. And a lot of people will replace that or like uh, not worry about whether or not you love them. Right. Uh, and one of the great Eddie moments is when he's talking to her, he's like, I love her. Do you? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, fucking figure it out. Because whatever, we need the best for her. And his, I'm going to fight. Marissa a few episodes ago was like, I'm going to fight for him. And it sounded like a little kid. Eddie's was like, yeah, man, you fucking fight for the person you love. She is 17. You're probably 22. Maybe fucking chill out on that weird shit. But I don't know. I I loved this character and how they dealt with him. And how they both, they didn't say, I will fight you Mm -mm. for Teresa's love. No. Just like, uh, I'm going after her and you're going after her. Ultimately, Teresa Teresa decides. decides. Fuck yeah, OC. Fuck yeah, Ryan and Eddie. Uh, And then Marissa, I guess, goes for it. Or no, she Marissa's super mature. This is the closest to a Jimmy's got a Jimmy. She's like flipping through channels and he's like, How are you? She's like, fine. He's like, Ryan Trouble? She's like, it's just high school. And he goes, That 
No, be upset. That's my line. And I get he's trying to be cool, Dad, but I do think because he's such a fucking loser, he's upset that his daughter is maturing away from what he can handle. <laughs> he wants her to be upset so he could be like, it's just high school. And we all know of parents. I've never had parents, but know of parents or a generation above us who uh, raised us to the point where we almost passed them and then put their like foot on our throat so as to not actually get past uh-huh. them. And that's no Jimmy. That's not Jimmy. That, Jimmy, don't play that. And that's okay. Uh, they do Eddie Dirty at the end because the, the near miss of the hotel ends up with Ryan and Teresa talking. She is on the phone with Eddie saying, I'll come home. Okay, so like <laughs> they, do dirty, they do Eddie Dirty at the end should uh-huh. mean that Eddie says, you know what? Fuck the way I've been acting all episode. I'm going to get in a fight because right. I'm from Chino and this is how we do. That's not what happened. What happens is this guy who is borderline being mistreated, definitely being fucked with, gets fucked with at the end of the episode for no, no reason. reason. Just just wait and say, oh, I got to go. Hang up on him. Don't, so we all know I the conversation. I can kissing. <laughs> she starts making out with Ryan with her fiance on the phone. To be fair, and we always want to be fair, um, Ryan and Teresa both go blah, 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 blah when they kiss. Blah. And he goes, that's the sexiest sound. I wait, can hear you. Hold on. Uh, we're going to hold our mics and we're going to kiss like they kiss. You ready? Stop, 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 stop. Okay, so like Eddie, that's going to cause a problem with Eddie. Yeah, maybe. But what they're doing, I think, instead of saying he's from Chino, Chino kids get violent, is they're going to push him to the point where audience members understand, oh, yeah, he's being violent. Why isn't he violent yet? And they dislike him for that, not violent quick enough. And we can all scream, violent, you're turning violent. Violent? That's the show. That's it? That's the show, my friend. Any final thoughts? Any final wrap-ups? Any things you got to burn through? Did we really hit hard, though? Like, the most OC moment of this is the mermaid and how Teresa and Marissa and Luke and Julie are all walking past each other. It's insane. It's not the one hotel in Newport, but then I was thinking about it. I was like, that's lame, soap opery. But it does make... Teresa can afford this hotel in Newport, and Julie would obviously pick a hotel none of the noopsies would ever be near. But it, but it's not that one's there on a Tuesday and the other's on a Wednesday, Solomon Grundy style. Doors, Doors open and close away. at the exact minute, Mike. Weird people who should never hear each other rail have heard each other rail at this point. Marissa went to talk to Teresa, right? Yeah. That could have potentially been while, while Julie was orgasming. Edge of my seat. Edge of my seat. And you, look, your front brain is saying, all right, good job, show. Way uh-huh. to be a writer. But your back brain, your heart, your gut, and your butt, we're all like, woohoo, poop like a monkey. Yeah. Loved it. So that's this week. Next week, all of this is going to come to a head. It has to, right? I mean, I can only assume. The episode we're talking about next week is called The Goodbye Girl. Hopefully, Anna will get more than one scene because it's her big send-off. She's not going to go like Oliver and just disappear. They at least wave sadly. The way I remember it, and it's been a while, is uh, she goes to the airport, and then Pam Beasley comes and says one last goodbye uh-huh. before she leaves. And we never know. We, we never, never know. know what Pam whispers to Anna. <laughs> but we know Anna screams, I don't know you, adult. <laughs> Though I guess in 04, Pam's probably not an adult yet. That's what more people should be screaming. <laughs> just start screaming adult, and adult. everyone will come running. <laughs> uh, this big man child needs help. Thank you to the Holophonics for giving us our sweet, sweet tune skis. Ryan, do you yeah. have a website you like to enjoy? Yourpopfilter.com is our mothership, our home base, our number one website that hosts all of our podcasts, including the OCD. I don't have to advertise the OCD right nah. now. 
throwing a slash Amazon behind your popfilter.com, and that's how you shop for with Amazon from now on. Does not change your experience beyond that initial step. Bookmark that. It helps us out. It fucks Jeff Bezos a little. Everybody loves it. On the front of that, take off the Amazon, and then in the <laughs> front, put on a Patreon. Patreon.com slash your pop filter. Go there, pick a tier, uh, and then enjoy all of the things that that tier gives you. You will, for every dollar you spend, I'm going to say, you will get $50 worth of stuff. It's like one of those coupon books. Mm-hmm. Like It costs 50 bucks, but you get $10,000 worth of Why surprises. Why don't people get those coupons? Get that, it's, you're get losing that money. Like, you're losing money every time you walk by that coupon book and you do not buy it. Every hour on the hour you have not bought a coupon book, you are losing, losing money. Losing money. Set it up through Amazon. Get that coupon book sent to you every hour on the hour. Type in coupon book and just hit buy. Patreon.com slash your pot filter. Get that Patreon.com off the front and put an asterisk, not an asterisk, what's an at symbol? Ampersand? Nope, that's an end. An at symbol? Oh, an asterisk. At Twitter. Follow us at Twitter, <laughs> at your pop filter. Wait, did we get at Twitter? Yeah. They, that was a big get. Went into the public domain, we grabbed it. <laughs> Follow us uh, at your pop filter, scream at Twitter, at Twitter about our show too. That'd be fun. What else? We have so many shows for you. Too many. Every single Monday, me and Mike are in a battle, not just to see who will be host Greg's best friend, but also what will be the best movie of any given year. Subscribe, rate, and review Movie of the Year. I think the best podcast on the internet. I've heard that. Every Tuesday, that is the first Tuesday of the month. It does have to have that one thing in common with the Tuesday. The first Tuesday of every month, check out Taylor Talking Taylor, where our pal Taylor talks about other tailors of note. Nobody gives him enough shit for being self-involved. He just gets a fucking pass. Every Wednesday, that is not every other Wednesday, so it would be the every other Wednesday, <laughs> uh, we have writer's block, which is, I believe, where, Mike, you will take a pen and scribble some letters on Jenga pieces and say, writer's block. Put them in a hat, read them to the audience. Everybody loves it. It's a live show for some reason. Look, man, stop being an asshole. Don't do anything unless you put it in a hat first, okay? Jimmy's got a Jimmy. Jimmy's got a Jimmy. Every Thursday is this show. You love it. And then every Friday is our flagship show. It's the only show on the internet that covers every single, doesn't seem like there would be that many, but there actually are, uh, TV show that is live action and also based <laughs> on a comic book. Uh, do you want some visuals behind a shorter version of what we do? Go to YouTube. Look up your pop filter. It's delightful. If you think Mike and or I talk too much and you want to be heard, there's a couple of ways you can do that. One, email us, contact at yourpopfilter.com. If you think that Julie is in the right. Oh, man, I want to talk to you. And maybe Luke is too old for her. Or if you think Sandy's eyebrows should be bigger, email us, argue with us, or give us a ring-a-ding-ding at one five six two doctor dj pop He is our robot associate. Leave a message with him, and he will give us that message. One of his hands is a... Kissing booth. And his other hand is a... Ninja game. <laughs> what, do you want me to keep hosting yeah, the show, I dude? Yeah, you are going to... Oh, oh call 1562 Dr. DJ Thank Pop. Thank you. One Finish of his hands is a... Uh, job, ninja game. And his other hand is a... Bad friend. <laughs> that is the show. Next week we say a sad goodbye to Anna. Thank you for listening. Stay gay.